Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu brothers and sisters Welcome back to the After School Dawah podcast In today's podcast we will be talking about addiction Right? Um, I think this is especially relevant right now Just because Ramadan has passed by And what tends to happen for a lot of us is that We tend to stop whatever addictions we have or problems we have during Ramadan but then start again afterwards like for example let's say if you're addicted to smoking cigarettes you will say you will say to yourself that you will take a break for the 30 days of Ramadan because you know that of course it will break you fast and then after Ramadan unfortunately you start again so I think it's a good time to talk about addictions what's so important about addictions and um, why is um, really imperative that we try and try our best to stop addictions um, and for that we discussed practical ways in which you can do it um, we discussed um, spiritual ways so in terms of like what does Islam say about addictions and what advice does Islam give us when it comes to addictions and we spoke about a few other things um, just a quick disclaimer right um, as you know in our faith it is important for us to hide our sins as if we hide our sins and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also hide our sins on the day of judgment and because of that when it came to the ASD team talking about their own addictions we didn't expose ourselves by talking by saying what our addiction was instead we used a proxy such as fizzy drinks and etc so you know later on in the podcast when you hear like fizzy drinks and you might be a bit confused then that is why so yeah with that said um, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Yeah, I um, okay. feel like I completely messed up the podcast, honestly. Like, when I went no, off no, topic. No. <laughs> what did no, you, no, bro, honestly, you, didn't, like, you didn't even go off topic, bro. Yeah. Chill, relax. No, like, relax. I think I went so broad around it. I'll, 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 I'll tell you when you go off topic. Don't worry, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Not like off topic, but I think I went too long with the question with the answer oh, you know don't I mean? worry that's why we have mo the editor don't worry about it oh, no it's not it's, it's not like that it's like it's it's like after school dawah is meant to be a, f- a free-flowing conversation so sometimes yeah. we we can go long like we do that as well like sometimes yeah. i'll ask sort a question like it was two plus two and he'll go on for 20 minutes yeah <laughs> you know it's, it's, it's calm it's calm <laughs> Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim wa salatu wa salamu ala Rasulullah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu brothers and sisters Saad Tahmid and Ismail aka Mr. Smile bro Wa alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Why does he get a special nickname? Because Special guest yeah, yeah, special guest and uh, ta- uh, plus like your nickname is Tame It. Like, there's literally hey. only one letter that's different. Yeah. <laughs> it makes no. Nickname, bro. It makes like it's such a bad nickname anyway. Like it's, it's like a right, nickname right. a five year old oh. gives each other, right? Hey, okay, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, um, welcome back to the podcast. Um, hope you guys enjoyed our last two podcasts, which was basically on jinns and rookie and all that good stuff. Um, today, we will be talking about um, something that I think is really important to talk about. Something that pretty much, um, you know, student, non-student, doesn't really matter who you are. You probably have some sort of problem like this, which is 
basically addiction, right? So mm-hmm. can one of you guys define what an addiction is? Go on, Saad. Uh, Google.com. <laughs> uh, Saad, if they want to go on Google, they can go and Google themselves, mate. Yeah. It's a brain disorder characterized by compulsive engagement. Now, basically, you repeat something, uh, you like to repeat something because it gives you pleasure. Uh, and eventually you become so it becomes Not a habit right. for you essentially well it's it's well i don't know if it's synonymous with habit is it i don't know i think Usually it's i think a, a big component habit. of addiction is habit but it's like a yeah. much more um extreme. much more yeah extreme version of habit. more intense is more intense than a specific than a habit addiction but... addiction is something like it's definitely something mental. Habit is something you just like. You yeah, know. I mean, no, no, no. Addiction right. cannot. It doesn't addiction. have to be mental. Um, no, as in like it, it, it. You're like, you're obsessed with doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's basically, like, you know, behavior. there's a lot. You know, there's a lot of these um, definitions for addiction, and sometimes people would basically categorize it or restrict it to just um, cigarettes and alcohol and drugs and stuff like that in it. But essentially, yeah. an addiction is something that you believe or in your behavior show that it's something that you can't live or go by your day without. So sometimes it's like mentally, you can't even imagine yourself not doing it. Or it's something like, oh, no, nah, I'm not addicted. But then if you try and stop it for one day, that's not even possible. Right. So by yeah. behavior, you show that you can't live without it. And I guess that's probably the best way to describe an addiction. And the reason why we wanted to talk about addiction today is because, you know, Alhamdulillah, Ramadan, you know, it just finished. I hope everyone had an amazing Ramadan. Um, and one thing that a lot of us try to do in Ramadan is we change up our our behavior, essentially, right? Um, because obviously in Ramadan, you can't eat, you can't drink. And there are certain things whilst you fast, like, you know, being too angry. You know, some people would say listening to music. Some people would say swearing. Um you know a lot of things that you can do that if you do it during the fast it would make your fast invalidated right so people would naturally try and um be more on it with their deen or be more controlled when it comes to ramadan and what also tends to happen with that is that after ramadan they just get back on to doing whatever they were doing before in it um so that in itself is like okay it's easy enough to stop doing something that's not an addiction but then when it comes to something being an addiction and now you don't have like the guilt you would have in ramadan you're like okay you know i can just start doing that again um and that's kind of where we're going to start off with this podcast we're going to start off with post ramadan right so you know the question i i want to ask you guys right first question is okay let's say um let's say how okay so you know a big thing right or the ultimate goal in ramadan is is really to know whether your ramadan has been accepted or not right mm-hmm. so how do we know if our ramadan is accepted like after mm-hmm. ramadan it's done we've done everything right we can't change what we've done in ramadan it's past we did eat you know we had a big fat munch right and now you're thinking to yourself wait so this whole month I went by, right? I may have worked hard, may have not. Was it accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Because it's not a guarantee that, oh, you just go by Ramadan, you did all you fast, and so it's 100% accepted. That's not the case, right? Yeah. 
So how do we know or how can we sort of indicate whether it's been accepted or not? You mean looking for signs? Yeah, looking for signs or sort of analyzing your own Ramadan and your own self to mm-hmm. to see like, okay, did I work? Like, it hasn't been like, did Allah accept it or not? Right. I guess um, I will. But, um, I think a big uh, aspect to know whether it's been accepted or not would be whether you or not you yourself feel change after Ramadan and because if you feel like your state after Ramadan is exactly the same as how it was before Ramadan then it shows that that month probably wasn't utilized the best you could have how you want to come out of Ramadan is feeling you know closer to Allah uh, feeling more devout in faith feeling more um, obligated to pray you know do do good deeds and give up the bad habits that you gave up for that month because the bad habits that you give up for that month shouldn't just be for that month you know should be for your entire life and Ramadan isn't like um is a get it's not like a getaway month it's a month that it's a chance for you to reform yourself and so if you notice any change like or reformation in yourself afterwards then i think it's a good sign that it's um most likely either been accepted or on on it on the path of acceptance <clears throat> as long as you're sticking to it if that makes sense but if yeah. you're going back to say old habits or you you feel like it was a waste and you know you, you feel like it had no effect on you whatsoever then it's most likely that you didn't spend the time the best you could in that month yeah so you know yeah. like okay so one thing is though like mm-hmm. and a lot of people would probably ask this question or argue this that okay look Ramadan is kind of like a very um, a very specific environment. So it's like an environment where everyone around you is being very practicing. Everyone around you is fasting and you're fasting. So it's much easier to do, uh, to let's say, stop doing this in Ramadan than it is outside of Ramadan. Right, yeah. Right? So, you know, yeah, fair enough. I didn't do it in Ramadan, but that doesn't mean that I can't do it outside of Ramadan. Like, Ismail, what would you say to that? Um, I think the way we should probably, like, treat the addiction during Ramadan, like, um, obviously, yes, we are surrounded by people who are practicing more than usual. We are surrounded by people who are, you know, uh, getting involved with charity, this and that. So we see all this goodness and we want to be part of that as well. But then we also have this addiction that we also have as well. We, We need to treat this as well. So... I would probably would agree that it is easier to, um, what's it called, to get, to kind of change ourselves during Ramadan Ramadan because there is this blessing within Ramadan that, you know, having to fast for 30 days, it kind of cleanses us, you know what I mean, Ramadan is like a month of cleansing for us, getting back to how, I think there was a definition of Ramadan it says, um, oh my god, If does anyone know the definition of Ramadan? Because it really helps with the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> uh, so the definition, the definition of Ramadan. I mean, what definition? I'm not the one that you know. I mean, uh, definition as so what like, is it's the month. Month of Quran? <laughs> <laughs> I think he read a certain definition. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, so there was a certain definition for it. And it says, um, you know, in a way, getting back to 
you know what I mean? It's not like saying becoming a new person is going backwards in a way. So we're going back to doing things. It's like Ramadan. Okay, I think I'm going a bit too far with this. I can I get I kind of get what you mean. Like as in, you're going back to your roots. You're going back to yeah. how you was. Like let's say let's say way, for yeah. for some of us maybe like when it came to university you know we're, we're outside the family like before you know because we were with family we'd be praying because obviously family's there and then tell us to pray we'd be yeah, kind yeah. of like we'd be following a different routine but then when we go to uni we get that freedom and then we maybe we might stop doing things such as prayer yeah. or you know mm-hmm. such as other things right and um we might start doing things that normally we couldn't do at home so um, Ramadan is always that uh, even for these people in at uni and stuff who completely changed at uni, when it comes to Ramadan, they kind of go back to being, you know, how they were before. I could, is yeah, that what it's you like mean? a break for the addiction. It was like yeah, a break. Yeah, yeah. So then now when they come back, nothing's changed. This, this, they, they, they're still the same the person, you know what I mean? Intention hmm. is still there to go back to the addiction. However, if we say, had the intention to say, say, oh, we're going to eradicate this addiction, uh, and after Ramadan, we were not going to go back to it. If you have that intention, we stick to that intention. Then hopefully, when Ramadan passes, we will be able to keep hold of that intention and continue working on that. You know, because sometimes, say we might go back at it again. You know, and then we feel really, really bad. Like, oh, Ramadan just went past. I've not changed or anything mm-hmm. like that. But yeah. then again, you can change. Not just, you know, what I mean, Ramadan is not there for for everyone just to change. I mean, you can change throughout the years before the next yeah. Ramadan as well. Okay. So it might be the next. I'll be honest target. with you, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, okay, so you know, like, like Isma kind of like mentioned in it that you know when when you uh, you know before Ramadan you have the intention that like you're gonna do it after Ramadan. It's like a break, right? And yeah. in all honesty, yeah, like even if I'm thinking about like my like my own addictions that I have or had had um had before as well, um, like it's much easier for me to think to myself, okay. I'm I'm gonna stop it for a month for thirty days, then it yeah. is for me to tell myself, oh, I'm gonna stop it forever. forever. Like yeah. it is two different ball games at that point. So I don't know. Is it is it like yeah, fair enough. Like I, that's one thing that I'd say would be easier to do like in Ramadan because it's like you have a specific like time span that you're like, okay, I'm gonna just stop it for this much. But then mm-hmm. you know, I feel like. One of the reasons why a lot of people probably continue the addiction afterwards is because, you know, afterwards, what is it? It's like, do you, do you stop it for a month? Do you stop it for two? Do you stop it for three? Do you stop it for your entire life? You know, and if it comes to that, then it's, I'm sure anyone can agree that it's much easier to stop something forever than it is to stop it for a month. So, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, like, just thinking about it, like, yeah, yeah. You know, if you were to think about it, you're like, okay, um, I don't know, like, ooh, an example, let's say someone, I don't know, someone smokes cigarettes, yeah? And yeah. they're like, okay, you know what, I'm going to just, like, okay, an example, I'm going to just let it go for, I'm not going to do it for a day, right? And then, you know, if they were, if they were given the choice that they're not going to do it for a day and they're not going to do it for an entire week, right, then... You know which one would they choose? Day. They choose a day because it's much easier. Of course. Yeah. Right. So then it it kind of like you can use the same logic with Ramadan in it. Ramadan you only do it for thirty days, but then not doing it for an entire lifetime. Mm. So how would you like? What would you 
how would you counter that let's say you have that problem what what would you like what would you do it's not right let's say you're addicted to drinking fizzy drinks yeah right you're just like proper addicted to it yeah and throughout the whole month you didn't drink any fizzy drinks yeah right so now ramadan is over it's finished you had eat and now what is there to stop you from um you know drinking fizzy drinks or now you know because your whole intention throughout ramadan was i'm not going to drink it for a month now you're thinking okay look now is either i'm not going to drink it forever or or what like what else can i do and you're in this predicament what would you do um so i don't need everybody's drinking fizzy drinks so I might have a bottle of two, a bottle or two, <laughs> bottle, yeah. uh, but after Eid, I think if I feel that it's going to be too hard for myself to quit drinking, I could reduce the amounts that I take, say, or finding even uh, alternatives to fizzy drinks, you know. Um, but obviously, the, the the urge is still there, you know, and so we're gonna have to find ways you know to kind of like lower that urge and try to keep on the track of not drinking fizzy drinks because my doctor said as well i need to reduce the amount of sugar i take because i got diabetes so one mm. way i could do that is continue fasting now i think i believe it's a it's a sunnah to um if you are going to fast outside of ramadan to do it on a monday and thursday kind yeah. of basis yeah mm. so what i could do is i could take that route and yeah, especially because you're fast. used to fasting now, so yeah, it, it won't even be fasting. hard to fast. So it's going to be much more easier for me, and you know what? It's gonna, it's gonna continue that vibe of Ramadan with that. So I can instead of having to hang like change my whole routine. The only thing that I should only change is whether I'm fasting or not. Everything else, I believe, I, if you continue just doing the same thing that you were doing in Ramadan, then hopefully when you're doing this Monday and Thursday thing, and you're continuing. It would you would completely forget about drinking fizzy drinks you know it'll become like a norm it'll become a habit of yours drinking something else rather than fizzy drinks you know what i mean it'll be part of your routine so i think that's a really really good way of um getting fully rid of probably these bad habits or so this might be a good way to do it um so continuing that fasting continuing that praying that we're doing during ramadan you know having that vibe still there but the only difference is you're only fasting twice a week so um yeah i think that you would know be what? That's a really like, good answer okay so just so ismail gave us like really good practical points or mm. practical ways of you know of stopping our habit right now mm. one thing that's really interesting what ismail said is keeping up the vibe of ramadan because i actually didn't think about this before now in it before well, ismail said it right was like yeah you know what that is something you can do like if if it's a ramadan vibe that makes it easier for us to stop a habit then simple solution just keep up the vibe how do you do that keep fasting on monday and thursday and just you know just keep up that vibe because you know a lot of the ramadan vibe is like is like waiting waiting for iftar time right and then it doesn't matter if it's in Ramadan or outside of Ramadan or whether you fasted for you know every day of the week or if it's just two days of the week when it comes to iftar time because you didn't eat all day you're just gonna feel that gratefulness about food right I so that's just one example another potential way uh, would probably probably be to ground yourself back into reality so to go back to the analogy of 
your doctors told you not to drink fizzy drinks because you have diabetes. Imagine your doctor is with you the entire time when you're awake. Um, and in that case, you would make sure because you're being watched um, that no one else, you know, that, you, that your doctor doesn't, doesn't find out, basically. Um, so yeah, ground yourself back in reality or force yourself, force yourself, force yourself, sorry, to think of stuff that puts you back into, you know, because a lot of time when you're, when you're addicted to something, you're pushing the actual reality to the side, right? You're not thinking about the con consequences. You're not thinking about any uh, repercussions. Yeah. And a good way is to bring that back into light and say, all right, listen, if I, if I stay addicted to this thing, then how how will it affect me in the long run you know in terms of my spirituality and my practicality in the worldly sense yeah. how will it how will i be affected uh health wise mentally physically spiritually whatever right whatever you can think of whatever matters you the most right um think on that um in the spiritual sense it could be you know you know that angels are watching over your soul, shoulder recording everything you say and do and see and hear etc right um or in the practical sense, it could be like your family is around you or, you know, your uh, maybe your, I don't know, maybe your friends are around you and they don't, you know, they've told you not to do it before and they, they're concerned about you, they're worried about you. Um, and maybe, you know, you, you don't want to worry, worry them. Just something, something that brings you back into the actual mindset of mm. uh, considering the consequences. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know what, like from what Saad is saying, you know, there are kind of two ways like we kind of established like two ways of looking at an addiction right now firstly you know before I even mention the two ways we can all be clear that okay an addiction is some is, is something that's bad right um it, it, you know whatever action of an addiction it is if you're considering it as an addiction it's probably something bad right um because you can't just you know we're not gonna you can't just sit here and be like oh i'm addicted to reading quran you know, like you can't say that, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, inshallah, you inshallah. You you can, but then it's not a problem in it. So we're not talking about we're not talking about things that are bad, right? You know, how, you know things that are good for you. Then yeah, keep doing it. If you can do more of it, that's good. But we're talking about things that are bad for you. Either it's bad for you mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever, right? Um, now. A big thing is like Saad, Saad, Saad really mentioned, right? When you t when you look at it from a like I guess a psychological perspective, right? So you know an example of like you know like Saad said, um, he spoke about like you know uh, you know when you when you're when you indulge in this sin, right? You know if it's a bad thing, it's probably a sin, right? When you indulge in the sin, most likely you're going to like because uh, I remember watching a video about this as well. I can't remember about who, but it was basically saying that you know when you when you indulge in something, you you block out you block out reality like Salt said, right? And the example they given the gave in the video um, was of an example of someone cheating on his wife, right? So you know imagine this, right? If a, when a person is there like cheating on his wife, right? In the middle of the action of like you know cheating, he's not gonna like. You know, like, like whilst he's like having sex, right? He's not gonna pull out a picture of his family, right? And like, you know, a picture of his family, obviously, you know, of his wife and his kids and stuff like that. 
Because yeah. then, like, what, and why is it? Why is it he's never going to do that? It's because he doesn't want to think about reality right now. And, you know, going back to the sins that we commit, we kind of tell it, we kind of block it out. We block out that, okay, smoking cigarettes is wrong. We block it out. Listen to music is wrong. We block it out, right? You know, yeah. what, what are the sins out there? I mean, what no. are the sins are addictions? <laughs> huh? McDonald's fish fillet haram. <laughs> nah, you just block out. You're like, ah, oh, nah, this is this is. <laughs> M and M's are haram. <laughs> yeah, we're exposing all of them today. O- only the red ones. <laughs> Watching, well, you could you can have like, there's more modern addictions now. I guess you mentioned this before, saying that the traditional sense of addiction has, it's still there, obviously, but it's, it, there's other types that are popped up, like shisha, you know, like TV, Netflix. Um, gaming you know yeah gaming yeah um fizzy drinks like you said social media is a big one technology um <laughs> i yeah. do i said fizzy drinks like as a like a prompt not a prompt what do you call it like like a proxy yeah sorry like a proxy yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah still um what? but yeah like what Sad's saying is that addiction is it, it, it can be split into you know something that is a sin by itself right mm-hmm. you're addicted to a sin um, which we'll probably focus more on in this episode. But then there are also sins. I mean, sins. There are also things that you can be addicted to, which are necessarily a sin by yourself. It can become a sin by you indulging in it too much, yeah. right? Because obviously, let's say, like Sard said, social media. If you spend so much time on social media, then mm-hmm. automatically that just means that what? Why are you spending less time doing? You're spending less time thinking about Allah. You're spending less time doing productive things. Because as a Muslim, it's not just about praying all day. It's about being mm. being productive, you know, in society and etc. Right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, we can split addiction in two sides. Yeah, if, you're, um, if you've gone through slipping five seasons of Urtabrul in like two days, yeah. <laughs> you were addicted, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that's healthy. So yeah, even like Mo said, even things that are not necessarily yeah. Like I'll be uh, honest with you, like uh, let's say like yo, like sometimes I get like proper addicted to playing a game, right? And yeah. I pray, uh, I I play the game so much that I forget to pray um some of my prayers, astaghfirullah, right? So that in itself, that's that's an addiction, and that's something that leads you down a bad path. Like playing games in itself, you could argue it's not a sin or anything, right? But because I'm doing so much of it. I'm missing my prayers. Then it becomes mm-hmm. a sin. If I'm watching too much TV shows and I'm missing my prayers, then it becomes yeah. a sin, right? Also, if it's stopping you from doing things that you're meant to be doing, your obligations, mm-hmm. your responsibilities, then it becomes a sin. Yeah. I think another practical solution. Oh, sorry, Tommy, go on. So, just because it's quite far away, so I want to mention now before it gets too late. Yeah, we're talking about establishing, you know, keeping up the good habits of Ramadan without falling back into bad habits and addictions uh it works well i've, I've seen because i know a thing or two about addictions in it because studying neuroscience whatever yeah uh <laughs> oh, 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 we got the professional over here so um uh, a, a good aspect to think of it would be trying over trying to overcome uh the mental barrier that exists between your addiction so for example one thing i know that would work for some people is you know they've gone the whole ramadan say without smoking let's say in it they went 30 days without smoking maybe if that if that time they had one or two each day but they essentially cut down way less than before so and mentally after ramadan they, they think you know if i could do it then did my mom just did say it, what? <laughs> 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 
That was such a sm- that was such a smooth cut as well. It didn't even <laughs> feel like a cut. It felt like it just what? reduced. Yeah. You cut after you said then. Did I cut off from? After you said uh, then. 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 Yeah. Then yeah. what? <laughs> you you tell me, bro. <laughs> Wait, did you hear the mental barrier? No, no, no. Repeat that part, repeat that part. So, yeah. (laughs) I'll try to call again. Um, So, throughout Ramadan, someone goes through. And, wait, I need to mention. The the main main aspect of overcoming any addiction would be overcoming the mental barrier that exists between you and that addiction. Because, essentially, addictions, at the end of the day, are mental and biological phenomenon isn't it because you can't be addicted to something without having biological change you know because it, it's normal to you it becomes normal to you so it induces yeah, you become very accustomed to it yeah. so it's even your, your brain thinks that okay yeah. look i need this exactly yeah so you you know when you when you do that thing that addiction that thing that you're doing uh you begin become stimulated basically and so you know you feel better when you do it <clears throat> or worse or whatever it is <laughs> and so to overcome that a good uh, you'd have to overcome obviously your biology your men- mentality and so one thing would be that say someone goes through Ramadan a whole 30 days without doing said addiction right say they were doing something before like uh, smoking or drinking fizzy drinks said and say they, let's say they went a whole 30 days without doing it uh, a lot of what would work for some people like I actually know a couple people that have this mindset like you know what I went an entire 30 days without doing it I can go a few more I can not do it now. Fair enough, they might give in here and there once or twice. But they already know at that point that they can't stop yeah. if they try hard enough. And so once they realise that, it's just a matter of how much effort you put in. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, Damon right. made a really good point. You know, it kind of counts the first point that a lot of people ask, which is, oh, yeah, it, it, you know, because of Ramadan, in it, it's 30 days. It's much easier for me to not do it in 30 days than it is for my mm-hmm. entire life look like Tama said is a biological thing right like mm-hmm. um, if you stop doing something for so long your body that cost uh, you know your body becomes less accustomed to it over time so the fact that you didn't do it for 30 whole days which is a big thing from doing it like, let's say if it's something you do every day right yeah. you didn't do it for 30 days then in fact it's not meant to be harder right it's meant to be easier to stop it after that Mm-hmm. Right, because you've not done it for 30 days, so now your body's not accustomed to it. Now, you know what it is your mind mentally, you're tricking yourself into thinking that you need it, and you're yeah. tricking yourself into thinking that, oh, um, I spent a whole 30 days not doing it, and now I really need it. Now, when in reality, mm-hmm. is it is it the fact that you need it, or is it the fact that you feel is it the fact that you right now you've been mm-hmm. given the opportunity to do it? Yeah, because that's what exactly. it is. It's like you know, you're not fasting, so right now it's an opportunity thing, right? Like for example, um, let's say you know, you know, using coke as a pro- uh, uh, proxy, right? You know, let's say you're really addicted to fizzy drinks. Yeah, you drink it like every two hours. Yeah, so you know, the whole like fast, like the whole time that you're fasting, you don't drink it, but as soon as iftar comes, you okay. you you pop open a can in it and you start drinking it, right? Now, a lot of the times. The, when you when you pop open a can, do you actually have the craving to drink it, or is it the mm. fact that oh my fasting has finished, so now that I can drink it, I'm gonna oh. drink it. You know, it becomes an opportunity thing. So you have to really split away 
um, like is the opportunity is in my cravings because if, if we're talking about cravings then if you don't mm. do something for a whole 30 days the craving should be substantially less That's and you should true. be able to continue it for even longer right even I think another part of it is your environment um, because generally when you know a lot of addictions now have become socially acceptable right uh, it's the harsh truth but it's true um, and it, therefore just by changing your environment um, you know uh, you can make it easier upon yourself to, instead of it, like Mo said, instead of it being um, uh, an opportunity, it is something that it becomes uh, less and less of a craving uh, because you reduce that influence around you, um, that company around you that, have, that has either caused you to be addicted to it or has caused, you, caused your addiction to become worse. Uh, so environment is definitely a main factor as well. Yeah, as well as so, can you, know, um, you, you you said that like um, and it, you said that sorry you said that um, addictions have become like socially acceptable like can you give examples of what you mean by that so Ooh. one example a modern one I can think of quickly is shisha um, hmm. that's something that's become very socially acceptable uh, especially if you you're talking let's go shisha bro <laughs> <laughs> after well, podcast let's go shisha yeah Oh. Well, lockdown in it. Oh <laughs> crap! Now don't worry, I got a pipe in my house in this combo. <laughs> Especially, I've seen a lot of Middle Eastern brothers. Um, if you come from that background, you're kind of already indulged in that sense where people don't yeah, think it's bad. Um, you know, your, yeah, your, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, your your uncle might do it, your parents might do it, your brothers, sisters, cousins, whoever, and it's that it's just that environment of oh, this is fine. It has no effect on us. You know, it's. It's like yeah, people say it's like worse. It's not weed, it's fine in it. Yeah, it's not weed. It's not like a hard drug <laughs> or anything. It's just like you know, it's just vapors. It's just, it's it's like, they just try and make excuses yeah. for it when, when they know the health. Like, would you prefer do weed? Like, what are you doing either, mate? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's one example. I'm sure you can think of many other examples. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. just that the fact that you know, if I'm not saying if you're from a Middle Eastern background, don't hang around with your family. Uh, <laughs> You know what I'm trying to say is, uh, if if, if uh, when when your family is doing something like that, and you have a sincere intention to cut down on it because you know of the consequences, then don't hang around them when they're specifically doing that action. Uh, you know, or, like I said, I'm not trying to say cut ties with your family. Just when they're doing those, when your cousins or your friends or whoever is doing that type of thing that you know you don't want to do because you know of the consequences and what effect they can have on you. Um, and you have a yeah, sincere you know, uh, yeah, don't make it worse and don't yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very logical in it it's like yeah. okay let's say you're in that situation right if you stay in that if you if you stay in a living room where other people are doing it it's significantly harder for you not to do it not than do it, it is exactly. if, if you're chilling in your room or even like not in the house yeah. you know and like so I said you know one way of like let's say you know it's, it's really hard for us to sit here and be like okay you know what um, I'm going to cut ties with my friends just because of this one addiction I'm trying to quit. It's hard, mm-hmm. right? Another way of going about it is, look, you don't need to cut ties with your friends. Just yeah. go ahead and try and make new friends. You know, especially yeah. if you're at uni, it's very easy to do. You know, you join ISOC, right? You join, you can join other societies, you know, because societies are based on interests as well in it. So, like, you know, there's the, you know, the society for football, society for you know badminton and you know if you're not into sports there's a society for like gaming and stuff as well right and even there's a society for board games so obviously like you know what are they going to be doing in their like societal events for example right they're going to be doing that in it so you know 
you don't need to stop being friends with who you're friends with. You can just go ahead and, you know, there's nothing wrong with making more friends, you know? Mm-hmm. And kind of like, maybe like, what do you call it? Like, vary your interact, vary your social activities. Circle. Y- yeah, social, so- circle, social yeah. Cir- circle. I think it's important to preface this with, this has to come, obviously, what Mo is describing, um, it, it can't come from a place of, you not act- actively trying you must actively try and have a sincere intention that's yeah. the first that's that's step zero before you do anything else right definitely uh, before you even move on to step one you have to have that active intention of listen i know this is bad i know these the consequences either spiritual physical mental whatever right therefore i'm actively gonna, gonna try and not do this or make this lesser than it already is right um that's the first kind of push that you need to give yourself it's the first motivation that you need to give yourself before anything else comes because obviously everything else lies upon that base right you can't you can't not you know like muhammad is saying you know you can't uh, make new friends if you don't actively try and go to the events in the first place right it doesn't logically make sense um so have that initial motivation uh and know that in the struggle you are not alone either right a lot of people think oh this is an addiction only i can suffer with this is only addiction that is unique to me etc etc uh obviously i'm not saying go and have friends that make light of the addiction uh because a lot of times what happens that, is that's actually something that you shouldn't do at all you should not yeah, do it all yeah you should because like i said making it more socially acceptable at least to you yeah. more, you know i wanted to actually like expand on that in it because mm-hmm. it's, it's quite it's quite a sad reality, if you think about it. Uh, okay, so like what Saad was saying is that, you know, um, a lot of things that we can be addicted to, a lot of sins, have become more socially acceptable now, right? Example, like Saad gave, shisha, smoking cigarettes, you know, watching porn. Um, e- even like, especially at uni, right? Um, doing weed, drugs like that, you know, is very, very acceptable now. You know, is is you know, it's something that oh yeah, he does it, and Be like more. you know, there's so many people do it. And the thing is, it's not like it's not like people who aren't Muslim do it. People who are Muslims do it. You know, yeah. all your Muslim friends are doing drugs, so obviously you feel like you know it's much easier for you to indulge in it at that point as well, isn't it? So, you know, it it has become socially acceptable, and just because of that fact, that makes it significantly harder to stop. Because everyone who you see around you um, don't even see it as a big deal to stop in the first place, mm. right? So then if you change that environment, because this is something in Islam, right? In Islam, we, know, we all know about the hadith of the blacksmith and the perfume seller, right? Um, and just to reiterate that hadith in brief, basically, um, the Prophet ﷺ, he explained your company as you know um as let's say if you were to walk into a blacksmith shop mm. you're going it doesn't matter whether you're the one doing the work or not you're going to come out with that smell of ash and stuff like that right but if you walk into a perfume shop it doesn't matter if you're the one that was working there or not you're going to come out smelling like like the perfume in the shop right yeah. and that's how company is you are the you know there's another one you are the sum of the people you hang around with the average of the people you hang around with right because you know the people around you they they influence you so you know in islam we know like an advice that that, that, that the prophet himself gives is to make sure you have a 
good environment around you. If you want to stop a bad habit, surround yourself with people who also consider a bad habit. Right? Yeah. You know, just to, um, um, yeah, go. Just to, not just to like, it's, I want to say just to add to this, but it kind of, in a way, counters your kind of argument. I'm not going to like, obviously, you know, um, go for out saying what you're saying is wrong. Yeah. But, um, I did see this. Yo, you know beef, bro. You know um, beef, bro. It's a fight, yeah. yo. <laughs> so, um, you're tapping. Hold my bike for a bit, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I saw ahead, an sorry. interview uh, of a non-Muslim who, um, okay, just fam- famously known as J-, J. Cole, a rapper. Now he's a non-Muslim and uh, he used to yeah. drink a lot, right? <laughs> so in this, <laughs> so um, in t- in this interview. He was talking about overcoming addictions. He mentioned social media. He also mentioned um, his drinking habits from before in his past. And, uh, you know, as a non-Muslim and as a rapper, obviously, you know, uh, alcohol is like mentioned everywhere. And it's always seen people drinking it everywhere. It's kind of like kind of the norm of his kind of um, surroundings, right? People drinking here and there. And... um, when he found out that his drinking was a problem because before obviously he was just drinking as if it's normal because for him it's not a sin yeah you know, it's, again the people okay like like you said the people around him they also consider it normal so he has no exactly. reason to not consider it normal. they drink over little things occasionally and sometimes people every day just drink just as it is so yeah. he found out through he kind of had this kind of like revelation to himself that he found it it's a problem for him he's drinking too much you know, and he wanted, like, he felt like he was being controlled by drinking, right? Because by having a drink, he's being controlled by it. So he wanted to take back the control because he was con- constantly given into drinking alcohol, right? So, so after having this kind of revelation to himself, he then wanted to stop drinking, yeah? He had this intention, he wants to stop drinking. So, um, he stopped, you know, um, having a drink here and there, you know, as he, as he was reducing the amount, obviously, because you can't just stop one day and then, you know what I mean, finish off and not being able to be addicted to the drink. So, gradually over time, he then stopped, right? So, whenever he used to be at a party, a birthday party, or uh, here or there, or if he goes outside, because even outside, he used to just, without reason, he used to just grab, grab a couple of drinks from the store and mm. then, you know, drink that. So, even then, he stopped having drinks and then people used to come up to him they used to be like oh have a drink here it's my birthday have a drink and mm. he would respectfully refuse you know and i know for some people um on the topic of friends uh you might have say lifetime long friends that you know and you know that they're addicted to you know bad things and you know and you feel like it's going to be hard for you to make new friends you know yeah. leaving those ones that you've had all your life and now making new ones it's going to be really really hard and this person you know he's He's obviously didn't. I don't think he kind of like uh, distanced himself from his, from his friends. In fact, he made it open and quite clear to them that he no longer wants to drink. You know, and you know, I think if someone was to take that kind of initiative as well, yeah, it might even lead to one of his friends to stop drinking as well. They see that oh, they might see themselves that it might be a problem, and because you're in the group of friends that you don't drink no more and you every single time someone asks you that if you want to drink you always refuse they might think okay if i do the same as him maybe yeah. it can help me as well so by you openly showing that you do not drink no more and refusing every time you're offered a drink 
maybe someone else would kind of tag along with that as well, saying, oh, no, not me as well, no. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's a really good point. You know, like, I don't know. Like, I didn't know to what Ismail said, didn't it? You know, it, you know, obviously, like, in the beginning, um, to tell your friends that, oh, especially if it's something that everyone does in it, like, let's say, you know, you know, let, you know, <laughs> using Coke as a proxy, uh, proxy again, right? Let's say there's me, Ismail, Saad, and Tahmid, yeah? And we all, like, love drinking fizzy drinks, yeah? Yeah? And then uh, one day, Ismail comes to us and he's like, yo, I'm going to stop drinking fizzy drinks because it's really bad. Obviously, for us, and we might get a little bit hurt by it because we're like, because you're you're basically saying that what we do is bad as well, isn't it? So it isn't it isn't easy to go and tell your friends that okay, I'm going to stop doing this thing that we always do, right? That everyone else, that all of you guys do as well, you know. Yeah. Um. So, but then when you when you actually go past the barrier of saying, look, I'm going to stop doing this, especially because it's very logical, like drinking, right? It might make you feel bad, but you know, everyone knows that it's not a good thing, right? Everyone knows, especially like, like yeah, okay, some people can argue that, you know, drinking it in small doses is fine, but everyone knows that drinking enough of it is bad. And in itself, it's bad. It doesn't really give you anything good from it, right? I mean, it, it obviously, it does give you some good things, but it, it's always outweighed by the bad in it. But basically, like, once you, once you go over that barrier of, you know, you tell them the first time, then after that, it's much easier for you to decline. <clears throat> you know, yeah, like yeah. once I, you know, going, you know, you're saying it once, like, okay, I'm not going to do it. And then you get more comfortable with that as well. You get more comfortable with saying, yeah, yeah I'm okay, I'm okay. You know, he kind did of like mention that every single time he refused. He, he felt that he was stronger. He, he, get, he yeah. felt much more stronger. The tug. Because it's no longer inside his mind, in it? It's, yeah. it's outside now as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's something that he's proclaiming to the world. Talking about the uh, spiritual kind of aspect of the uh, what you guys are saying, uh, Ibn Al Qayyim mentions in his book uh, spiritual diseases and their spiritual cures. Uh, so he he mentions specifically um, like obsessive love, but the and the analogy can be used for any like you know like, like with fizzy drinks, it can be used for anything related to any addiction or sin. Um, so he says there's like. He, he, he outlines like eight kind of steps that the addiction process is and the effects it has. So he says, firstly, um, you're distracted from loving your Lord and remembering him, right? Uh, and it is inevitable, we mentioned this time and time again before, it is inevitable that one would overcome the other when they try to gather in the same heart, i.e. either your addiction takes over or your spirituality takes over, right? Yeah. It's one or the other. Um, second, he mentions that the heart would be tortured by it because whoever loves something beside Allah, he would be punished by it. So you would have a, that's why a lot of people when they're addicted to something for a long time, they kind of feel empty and you can read about experiences online of people who, you know, go to when, when they go to like Alcoholics Anonymous AA meetings or whatever, they say, they always say they feel empty, they feel depressed, they feel sad, uh, even though they might not have clinical depression, they feel something like it kind of you know uh, a, a desire to do nothing a motivation to do nothing uh, constant pain etc uh, third the heart becomes a prisoner in the hands of his captor who could subject it to disgrace i.e and he's, he mentions an intoxicated heart becomes unaware of its humiliation i.e the addiction leads you some addictions may lead you to committing things that you wouldn't otherwise do because you've lost that sense of consequence you've lost that sense of repercussion you know that okay well i don't care anymore gone to that point where the addiction 
has yeah. taken over your mental state of thinking about the consequences. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like you you're like, oh, I've already done it, so I've already done it, so why you know? So it's like, uh, what, what what harm does it bring now? Exactly. Uh, fourthly, he moves on to saying the heart is distracted from its religious and worldly benefits. Fifthly, he says all the ailments of this world, so the illnesses of this world, and the hereafter come rushing towards the heart. Uh, as the heart gets closer to satisfy, it becomes distanced from its Lord, so it falls in the hands of the devil. So basically what Ibn Qayyim is trying to say here is that the closer you get to trying to commit your addiction more, right, the further you are getting away from Allah, right, and the more closer, that it is, it, the, the easier it is for shaitan to have effect on you, right? Nice, uh, Sixthly, when lust takes control, well, he again, remember he's talking specifically about obsessive love, but let's replace lust with sin here or addiction. When the addiction takes control of the heart, the mind becomes corrupted with emerging, emerging devilish whisperings. So, again, it's easier. We talked about jinn and ruqiyah before. Um, you know, it's more common for people to become possessed by a jinn when they're doing something that is, is directly engaged in something other to what Islam teaches, right? Um, Seventhly, the illness leads to corruption of the senses, or at least some of them. When the heart is corrupted, the eyes, the ears, and the tongue also become corrupted. The eyes can no longer see the evil aspects or the shortcomings. The ears do not listen to the demands of, of giving up such an illegal, illegal habit. So you don't care what people are trying to try you. Doctors saying, give this up, it's bad for you, this, this, this. You say you don't care, you don't pay any attention to it because you're so obsessed with it. Um, the one who is involved in an activity does not see his defect. Um, it, it, the addiction places a screen over his eyes. Uh, you know, he's completely blind. He, well, figuratively blind. He does not. He doesn't care about anything at all. The only person who is aware of it is the one is the one who was once involved in it and later gave it up. But when you see a lot of the motivational speakers, they talk about you know previous addictions they've had and talk yeah. about the life-changing experience they had when they gave up the addiction. That is one kind of worldly factor for you to think about and consider. You know, if you're considering giving up an addiction, that you will feel much better when you come out of it, right? And you'll see how blind you really were figuratively again when you had the addiction, right? And it's for this reason, important point, it's for this reason that the companions who embraced Islam after a life in polytheism were better, better than those who were born after polytheism. So Ibn al-Qayyim mentions here that a lot of companions actually noted this, uh, this point that uh, people that, and it can be used for addiction as well, obviously, similarly, that they, they they noted that people that were born into Islam, um, mm-hmm. they actually like they they were practicing Islam worse than those who were born into polytheism or shirk, uh, shirk practices, and then they came to Islam reverts basically. And you can see that nowadays as well, actually, when you know when people are uh, people are um, us Muslims, uh, essentially sometimes practice Islam worse than the reverts do, right? Uh, they're practicing it better than us. Uh, they're doing more things that are in line with Islam's values and principles than we are. Um, so similarly, the person who comes out, like I said before, the person who is, who, he had a, had an addiction and comes out of it is better than, and he sees the world more clearly than the one, one who is in the addiction. Eighthly and lastly, he mentions that um, it takes control of your heart. You use your animal and mental powers until you dis- self-destruct, right? Um, in the form of a mental illness, in the form of a panic attack, in the form of whatever, right? This has been well observed in the course of passion. Its beginning is sweet, its middle is full of worry and anxiety, and ex- end is self-destruction, 
right? So he's talk again, he's talking about passion and love here, but you can apply the same thing to any addiction. In the, in the start, it's like, oh, you know, it's not an addiction. You, you try and justify, say it's not an addiction. You know, I, I'm only doing it once or twice a week, wherever. It's not a big thing. Don't worry about it. I can give it up whenever I want. It's not an issue, right? Then once it becomes an addiction, in, in the middle of it, you you start to be like, oh, oh God, what am I doing? What's going on? What am I, what am I, what's my family going to think? Uh, you know, my doctor has told me this this is going to have an effect on me and then eventually when you keep going past that point and you don't stop you lead yourself to destruction um in the beginning the scholars have said that such a person should resist to his best capacity right even in the beginning no notice how they don't say when you get to the middle point or when you're worried about it or the, about the consequences you should stop then mm. you should nip the bud when it's when nip the seed in its bud right um i stop it while it's while you're still starting it essentially uh, that's such a it, sick analogy but <laughs> nip the seed in, in its bud. Bud, yeah uh, <laughs> if he fails to resist his power he should keep silent about and not reveal it to other people because he would be violating the sanctity and added adding more injustice upon himself uh so subhanallah um, main take from that is well there's obviously a lot of main takes but the the last final point was what, what we mentioned before is don't if you don't feel one don't feel proud about the addiction you have two do not relate it to anyone other than your lord right um because essentially one is a in, in a worldly sense it's a it's a it's you're basically just embarrassing and humiliating yourself uh and you may not see that because of the addiction uh but two you're keeping some you're, you're basically exposing your own things uh which allah is trying to keep hidden away from other people right allah is doing is making an effort for you to still be safe from uh the embarrassment of the world right um therefore obviously try and keep it yourself keep that intact um so yeah i think that's what i wanted to mention yeah, that's what it is. you know subhanallah like you know from listening to what Saad said, you know, it, it really does show how how much of a practical religion Islam is. You know, like no Saad said that, you know, the advice they gave was to stop it right at the beginning, right? And this goes to another point that guess what? Right? Who knows us better than we know ourselves? We said this plenty of times on the podcast, right? Allah knows us best. He knows us better than anyone else. And, you know, who is going to know more about addiction than anyone else? It's going to be Allah because he's the one that created us. So he knows before we know that, guess what? If we continue doing this thing, it's going to become nearly impossible to stop later on. So you want to stop it now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's quite deep what Saad said about, you know, the fact that, you know, a lot of these addictions, right? Especially the ones that are sinful to you. Right. And, you know, as the Hadith mentioned, even the ones that aren't sinful to you, like, let's say, you know, if you're playing video games, if you play, if you're binge watching TV shows, right, if your love for it becomes so great, then guess what? That love is going to replace the love of Allah. Right. And, you know, a lot of addictions, right, a lot of sinful addictions is you engaging in in your sort of primal pleasures. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, doing drugs, uh, drinking watching pornography, 
um, you know, a lot of these things, you know, even even the proxies we mentioned about drinking fizzy drinks is because that's some that's a that's a desire you have. It's something that makes you feel good, right? So yeah. you know, if you become addicted to something that that's whole purpose is to make you feel good, then you know, essentially, you know, like Tahmid said in, in the meeting before, you become a slave to it. You know, you Gee. become a slave to your own desires, your own lusts your own thing and yeah everyone is a slave to something and guess what you know when you indulge in it more and more then that thing is more in control of you than you are of yourself right and imagine how sad that becomes you know there's a reason why like Saad mentioned that these people have so much anxiety and you know they they become so you know uh, what would you call it like they become so empty afterwards Mm -hmm. right it's because guess what Having, you know, an addiction in itself always has stages, right? The beginning stage is like we all heard, ah, oh, no, I'm not addicted, bro. Don't worry, man. I ain't addicted to it. Yeah, I, can, I, can, I can stop it tomorrow, bro. Don't worry. I'm just doing it for fun, innit? Right? That's always the beginning stage. But the end stage for everyone, if you continue doing it, is always the same. And what is that? That addiction becomes the, becomes the center of your whole life. You know? True. And, yeah. you know, like going back to like right at the beginning of the podcast where we were defining addiction, right? I would say a proper definition of an addiction or, you know, addiction mm-hmm. in Islam, something that you should avoid is an addiction is something that can become the center of your life if you continue doing it. Right. Yeah. And, sure. you know, obviously this might sound crude in it, but let's say, OK, you're addicted to porn. Like, there's so many guys, man, so many guys, so yeah, girl, girls probably as well, in it, especially yeah. at uni and stuff. Like we said, socially acceptable. A lot of people talk about it openly in it. It's such a big um, it's such a big thing. Like one of the biggest like um, one of the biggest markets or one of the biggest um, sort of companies that make money is in the porn industry. Right. It's such a big, big thing, and like uh, I was, re- I was reading somewhere like Saudi Arabia has like the second highest <laughs> viewership, right? So yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. And you know, when you think about it, like let's say okay, porn, porn is an addiction that so many people have, right? So it's not even like a rare addiction. It's a very like probably more than we probably more than any drugs or alcohol or anything else. Yeah, it's probably right at the top for Muslims especially because it's something that you can do in private you can do on your phone whatever right now if porn is your addiction imagine how how messed up not even how how upset and how how empty or how bad you will feel if your whole life is surrounded by porn not surrounded by sorry the center of your whole life is that because that's what it becomes right an addiction is something that slowly it kind of goes up to your center. And that's what sod means by heart, right? Mm-hmm. It being in your heart means that it is at the center of your life. Now, guess what? If one's at the center, center of your life, then that's obviously sad. your life is going to be empty and you're going to get depressed. Actually, you know what? Uh, adding uh, an addendum to what Muhammad is saying in the sense that the heart is empty. Ibn al mentioned something again. He says that the heart is always restless. He, she, feel, he, she feels nervous about any noise he, she hears. And believes that any misfortune is intended for him slash her, but the one who fears Allah would be spared of all these worries. Which is a very interesting point because you see a lot of Muslims nowadays. They they're always like I'm not saying all these Muslims have addictions, um, but it's interesting in the sense that you say oh you know like people say 
um, oh, I have evil eye, or like, you know, someone's jealous of me, or this or that. They're always kind of paranoid in this constant state of paranoia that everything bad that's happening in the world is happening to them personally. It's like a personal attack on them, right? Mm. Um, and Ibn al-Qayyim is mentioning, obviously, one, like I said, that doesn't, I'm not saying all those people have addictions, but one source of it is an addiction, right? It's when you're so concentrated on one thing that you just ignore everything else around it right and the fact that you love that thing more than you love allah means that allah will instill fear and terror in your heart and you won't ever feel content hence why muhammad said you'll feel empty yeah yeah because yeah. an addiction will ultimately become an obsession mm-hmm. and yeah. it's you know like so i said it will be your prime focus and then if it's your prime focus, guess what? You forget about everything else. In fact, yeah, you don't even forget yeah. about it. You just don't have time to think about anything else. True. You know? Yeah, you're going to do whatever it takes to try and fulfill yeah. that obsession or, you know, that addiction. If you and see someone that's, actually, that's in this state... Uh, sorry, time to cut you off. Yeah, um, if you say someone in this state, as a Muslim, you have a responsibility to guide them and to advise, uh, give them advice, right? Um, now... It can be hard um, because sometimes they have addictions that you might not relate to. Um, like, you know, they might be addicted to smoking cigarettes and you never even thought about yeah, the idea of smoking a cigarette, right? But try and relate to them on some level. And uh, like I said, it's a duty for us, right? We shouldn't just yeah. ignore them because we can't relate to them. Uh, because someone in that sense of isolation and loneliness is very vulnerable, especially, especially young kind of people between the ages of like i'd say maybe like 13 to like 18 yeah teenagers right teenagers when their Mm. emotions and their hormones are in full effect right you see a lot of these addictions pop up in that age or when they have a prior history or environment like when their parents are constantly smoking around them or drinking around them yeah you know you know even even before that and this is something that i want everyone who's listening to the podcast to really 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 think about and really take heed of is look i can say it like even for us in our friend groups right we make like even if we don't do it we joke around about it we make light of of a lot of things that are sinful right you know we make we make light of it right straight up we do right so you know like i think one of the first steps for anyone whether you're addicted to it or not is you know as muslims we need to stop that behavior Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to stop sure. like we need to stop like joking around about something that's a sin you know um i heard that like some of the the reason why the umrah is in such peril today is because we make light of sins mm. sins are not something that you should joke around about yeah. right <laughs> like yeah there's, there's so many like like you know you go on instagram there's so many memes about mm. like you know sins and stuff and they're all by muslims right um memes about islam and all that right and it's like, look, you know, these are things that you're not meant to joke around about. Like, yeah, you don't need to be serious all the time, but that doesn't mean like you need to like be light about things that are forbidden. Like, yeah, we need to understand. Comedy, yeah. yeah, yeah, we need to understand yeah. that. Like, look, the guess what? The person who, the one who told us that this is a sin is Allah, right? And Allah is the one that made it forbidden. Like, mm. if it's forbidden, then guess what? That is something that you do not take lightly and you should never really joke about you know mm. and the fact that we joke about it we take it lightly that's what that's what sort of gives people the um the opportunity to go ahead and indulge in it 
because slowly yeah, exactly. we're programming ourselves and everyone around us to think of it lightly. Mm. You know, he's saying that there's nothing wrong with it. And it's acceptable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's you know, like uh, the more you joke around with it, the more you think to yourself, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, oh, my friends joke around about it all the time. You, you probably don't think about it like that, but subconsciously, that's how it goes, isn't it? I so think we need to stop that. And instead, the opposite. In sorry. Um, no, sorry. Go on, go on. My back. Yeah, basically, I'm just point. just finishing my point, right? Yeah. Instead, we need to do the complete opposite, right? Yeah. Like, if you're re- like, honestly, it's hard. You know, Islam's nothing easy, but Islam is something where, you know, the harder the harder it is, the easier it gets. If That's you get true. what I mean, yeah. because the harder it is, the more reward you get, and the more reward, yeah. the reward isn't just in Jannah, brothers and sisters. Mm. The reward is hair as well. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala blesses his hair and makes things mm. easier for his hair. Mm. So when we say hair, like yeah, you might become the haram police guy, yeah. But when we say hair, like let's say your friends and stuff who are Muslim and whatever, like if they're joking around about something that is a sin, then look, you should be there and you should say, listen, you shouldn't joke around about these things. Right, if they disagree with you and continue doing it, then that's on them at that point. But you shouldn't, you shouldn't associate yourself with that. Exactly. You know, you should, you should back out. You should be like, okay, nah, I'm not gonna. Right. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention before. Yeah, sorry, but you know when we were talking about friends and environment, and you know, keeping the right company will will help you prevent, you know, hormonal addiction. Uh, that's and you know when you assert yourself in front of your friend group, like Ismail said about. That interview with Jake or whatever, you know, um, if your friends truly are your friends, and they want what's best for you, because obviously we're talking about bad addictions, right? And if you tell them, you know, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to stop this, then if they want what's best for you, and they are truly like good friends and good company for you, they'll respect that. Yeah. And every time they indulge in it, no matter how many times they, how no matter how addicted they are, or how like well they see it, or how you know good they how bad they don't think it is they'll still respect you and not indulge in it when you're there like i personally i have friends like that like where i told them nah i don't do this i don't do that and so every time they say they go out or they drink or whatever when i'm at their house you know in uni i'm just chilling with them uh they won't they won't do anything in front of me and you know, yeah and they'll never like offer it to you or ask you and they respect it in it um, I like, can you might joke that, around so, here yeah. and there like hey you want a quick taste and I'll be like Haha. <laughs> but in reality even if I said yeah they wouldn't give it because they respect my choice and decision they're like yeah. fair enough you know and the thing yeah, is for that Tamid had to physically like he had to actually tell them that listen I'm not going to do this he had yeah, to exactly, make that clear yeah. in the beginning if he never made it clear if you can't that's a barrier we talk about, spoke about in the beginning if you can't make that clear then it makes things much harder for you I think it has a good side effect too in the sense that it will at least inform them of the fact that if you're willing to stop if you're willing to not do it then they should then, also yeah, be more it's, it's possible for them to know because it, like you know like let's say for me right if i see saw stop doing something that you know i do as well it's much easier for me to um make the intention or to see okay you know what Saad, Saad, if Saad can stop doing it I can stop doing it and instead of me instead of like let's say Mufti Meng saying that you shouldn't do it right because obviously like you see Mufti Meng you're like oh, obviously he won't do it yeah, right do it, yeah. but Saad, Saad and me we went to the same high school we grew up together you know it's much easier when it's your friend hmm. I was going to hmm. mention previously that um, what Muhammad was saying in the beginning um, well just read just now was that um uh, we should kind of be like center points for our friend groups 
right? Um, especially in this society, uh, the West, especially like uh, the the issue sometimes is when you explain. I don't know if any of you tried, but when you talk to like someone senior than you, I'd say, right, including your parents about mm-hmm. these issues. Yeah. Sometimes, if they, especially if they're from a, like a background of a religious, like a religious country, yeah, um, in that country, the idea is much more looked down upon. Therefore, it's much more restricted for them to actually like kind of do it. But it's in the more West, taboo, some, yeah. Exactly, but which in the it West, should be here as well, isn't it? But well, not... obviously, yeah, it, sh- it should be if we're living the ideal world, but we're not. So, uh, in the West, obviously, uh, in in over like since since the since the west was like you know kind of kind of made big um it's always been this idea of the west is freedom the east is kind of oppression right or like seclusion or isolation yeah. um so this idea has been in, like kind of embedded in everyone's mind of we're free to do whatever we want you know uh, every, nothing is a sin nothing is bad technically everything's fine right everything yeah. like we've mentioned again and again socially acceptable so we should be kind of beacons of light in between these connecting these Muslim communities with these non-Muslim communities with with everyone basically right your Muslim friends your non-Muslim friends whoever you should be a, a kind of focal point for these people to gather and say listen look at this guy uh, you know if he can if he can stop it I can do it too and that will help them focus on well I'm not I'm not trying to say obviously not everyone is a ideal role model but by mm-hmm. stopping some bad things that you know you both share maybe then you can at least help them focus on you and not the sin right yeah and that is important because okay maybe if they're muslim maybe they're not focusing on law or, or or their spirituality but at least then they have you as a distraction right and say right well you know what if so if like muhammad said if Sal's not going to do it then i'm not going to do it then yeah fine they're not doing it because allah told them not to but at least they're doing it because you've not done it right or yeah. you've stopped doing it so you've had an effect of the of You've, you've removed that kind of pressure, social pressure around them, and you've made mm. them focus socially solely on you, which has allowed them to at least consider the uh, the repercussions and consequences and consider stopping what they're doing. Yeah. Well, of course, remember that you're doing this for yourself. I mean, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you want to save yourself from Jahannam before Jahannam, anyone else. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's, what's, uh, how, how are you going to save them when you're falling in with them? Relating back to the interview again, <laughs> um, he did <laughs> say, um, in order to kind of start this, you gotta confront it. You gotta confront the, the addiction. You know, you gotta kind of tell yourself that this is an addiction. You gotta tell yourself that. Yeah, you gotta admit it to yourself, innit? Ever. Stages acceptance. So like, <laughs> yeah, intentions and stuff. You know, I mean, you gotta, you gotta know that it's an addiction, and then you gotta then treat the addiction. You know. Um, and the way he did it, like say for example for social media, he left social media uh, because you know he was um, he felt that it was just taking over his life and stuff, you know, becoming the center of his life and stuff. He went mm-hmm. away from it and he thought that if he goes back in now, it would be better now. He'll have a bit more control. But the thing is, he was having a break. That was a break. You know, when he went back, it was just the same old thing. So one way to deal with an addiction is to confront it fully and um yeah and so then afterwards you know he'd control himself he'll monitor himself having that self kind of um you know um policing yourself in a way you know what i mean because you know you ha- you do have other people as well that can help you as well 
and even being in the company of others can kind of um, reduce that kind of thought in your head that, ah, oh, I could, because, um, you know, usually some addictions, you normally do it in isolation, right? So being with, surrounded by other people, people like your family, your friends, I, I think this was kind of lightly touched upon before, being in their surroundings, you don't have that thought in your head no more. You know, you're in the moment with them. So you don't think about that. And mm. hopefully, you know, spending more time with them will kind of get rid of this eventually. But if, if it's not that kind of case, then um, confronting the issue and kind of dealing it, dealing with it um, yourself, you know, making your own decisions, taking back that control because usually you kind of like fall flat for these, right? It's like you feel like you're helpless whenever you do this. Hmm. You feel like you're alone, you're, you know what I mean? But having that confidence to say no, having that confidence to take control and say, you know what, no, I'm going to do something else instead. Keep yourself occupied. Sometimes you have nothing to do, right? So have keeping yourself occupied. Yeah. yeah. So keeping yourself occupied can kind of take your mind off this kind of addiction and, you know, kind of push you towards being a bit more productive and you know, being be a bit, bit more useful. You know what I mean? Like, even if you have nothing to do, you, have, you don't have a job, right? But you're living with your parents. You can help your parents out here and there. You could do a bit of chores here and there around the house. Keeping your mind off this, well then, you know, it will help you and your parents out as well. You know what I mean? Hmm. Think about helping others as well. You know what I mean? Doing a bit of charity work might be able to, you know, uh, keep your way out of the house as well. Sometimes Because addictions happen inside the house rather than outside the house sometimes. So yeah. being away from, you know, the screens or being away from, you know, um, inside the house with, with all the stuff that you have there, being outside, you know what I mean? Just fully avoiding it, I'd say, fully avoiding it. Yeah, so that's so probably that, another that's, way to that, That's it. a really, really good point. Like, you know, what Ishmael kind of like mm. shows... Ishmael. Well, Mr. Smile. <laughs> <That's>, um, <laughs> Mr. Smile, uh, that's it. You know, like, like he's kind of said, right, you know, it kind of shows that, like, look, you know, when it comes to these addictions, right? Yeah, this I, I, I think, like, psychological side, spiritual side is number one. We start with that because that is the most important thing. And then practically, there's so many things we can do, right? For example, if your sin is something that is that you, you can only do in private, then look, look at it, you know, think about it logically. If it's, if it's something you can, do, you can only do in private, then like Ismail said, don't be in private. Don't be in private. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. be with your family, right? If it's something that you can only do indoors, then go outside. You know, like do the opposite of what it is, and yeah, you know, yeah. it, it, you know, yeah, you, you have to sometimes think about things very logically as well. You know, especially when it comes to sense, especially because we know that a lot of it is is mental and psychological. There are a lot of practical things we can do to avoid it and stop it, inshallah. And I guess the last thing I wanted to. Um, I guess talk about or like end this podcast on was um, you know there's a, uh, there's a hadith right where um, the Prophet he actually let me pull it up over here because I think we I think we have it over here yeah is it this one? yeah yeah it's this one so the Prophet he said that whoever amongst you can afford to get married let him do so and whoever cannot afford it should fast, for it will be a restraint for him, right? Yeah. So, 
This hadith yeah. is talking about marriage, but this hadith was actually in response to, you know, a person, a young person who is strugg- struggling with his sexual desires, right? Now, obviously, you know, no- nowadays, you know, because we kind of, you know, society in itself, we kind of delays marriage as much as it possibly can, in it. So you got people who are getting married at 30 and 40, you know, inshallah, try and get married early, in it if you yeah. can. But, you know, you got people who are in that state, right? And obviously, you know, as human beings, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He. He he made us so that we do have these desires in it, and it's quite interesting. The Prophet ﷺ gave the advice of you know if you can't get married then fast, and I I think to myself a lot in it like, why is it that Allah said fast? You know yeah. because obviously the Prophet ﷺ, he got it from Allah in it. You know he didn't just say it because he thought of it, right? Mm. So because yeah. Allah, because that that was from Allah, right? But why fasting? You know what has fasting like? Yes. And then, you know, obviously, like, discussing it with, like, Tahmid Saad and them. Um, yeah. You know, we, we spoke about, you know, certain things that it could be, like, theories, right? So, yeah, yeah, fasting, you know, because, like, you know, during the fast, things that aren't sinful become, you know, be- become forbidden and you stop doing that. So, you get, yeah. you, you know, you build control and there's a lot of these other things. But I wasn't entirely convinced, right? Yeah. But then when I really thought about it or pondered upon it, you know, I thought to myself, you know what? Going back to like our first, first few podcasts, right? Um, episodes. Mm. You know, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, He knows His best, right? Now, a big thing in Islam is that you know, like we said as well, is that it, you know, Islam is something that's based on effort. It's based on you trying. You know, someone mentioned already in the podcast about trying, right? Is you trying? So. Yeah. You know, one thing that fasting does, right? Fasting, you know, like like for me, right? Not entirely, but, you know, like for me and like for a lot of you, logically, it might not seem, it might not seem like it, like, oh, yeah, if I fast, then I'm not going to have to worry about these things. Yeah. You know, if I fast, I'm not going to ha- have sexual desires. You don't anymore. see the direct correlation. You know, you, you might not see the direct correlation, right? But then if you think about it like this, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you see the correlation or not. It doesn't matter if there is a correlation or not, if it's even logical or not. The fact yeah. is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told you to do to do this. And now if you actually go ahead and, let's say, fast because you, you have issues with, you know, your sexual desires, right? If you go ahead and you do this, right? Then that shows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala something. It shows him that, look, you are, di- you are yourself physically doing something with the intention to stop this and guess what happens after that after that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he sees this and then he himself will make it easier for you to stop it he himself will make it easier for you let's say if it's sexual desires he will reduce those desires for you he will make it easier for you because he's seeing that you're putting in an effort so a lot of these things right we might hear from Islam and we might not entirely understand it but what we need to always understand is that if it's Allah saying it, and if if it's if we are doing it, then that will yeah. show Allah or give Allah the reason to reduce um, or yeah, exactly. make it easier for you. So you and that's that first step. that's why you should be fasting. That's why you should be doing this. Yeah. But yeah, that was the last thing I kind of wanted to say. Um, just that's wanted to add um, onto my. Um, I just thought of something whilst you were talking um, yeah. about dealing with an addiction because you know. A lot of us, you know, we're going to find it hard to do something, especially at like this, which is a very difficult thing. You know, dealing with addiction is not easy. 
and I know a lot of people out there struggling with it and you know sometimes doing it by themselves it's really really hard and they even sometimes they just don't end up giving up an addiction so what I would say is um, become open with someone about this so that they might be able to help you if you can't help yourself someone else might be able to help you um, you know what I mean ask for help it's not it's nothing to be ashamed of you know what I mean just to ask for a bit, for a bit of help you know what I mean because it's really really hard and especially with you know our day and age you know getting over addictions is it's extremely hard sometimes because we're surrounded by it it's it's a norm in society and you know it's really really hard for us you know just to overcome it by ourselves sometimes we need a helping hand sometimes we need someone there for us you know um so i would say for me i would be open to my my parents um because the thing is your parents have raised you from day one you know what i mean they want nothing but the best for you they might not be uh in, you know what i mean happy with you at the start but trust me, they'll be in full support and they'll, you know, help you towards the end, all the way till the end, actually. Yeah. So um, if you have, if you don't have any parents and you have that one person that you can talk to about it, tell them about it. You know, right, if you don't have any parents, well, we got, got a few Batmans over here, in it. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're a Batman, then tell that one person that you trust. You yeah. know, your your uh, what's his name? If the you're butler, Batman, I'm sorry, you should sort it out yourself. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, be open, ask for help if you yeah. can't help it. If you know, you, with, you know what I mean, if it's hard for you. Yeah, so with um, what Ismail is saying, and I guess this is for the opposition right here. Um, opposition. <laughs> opposition, yeah. Um, so we, we kind of said it before in the podcast that, um, you know, a sin in Islam, a sin is something that you are meant to hide. You are not meant to tell other people about your sin. Course, because, yeah. like, as I don't know if it was a hadith or Quran, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was a hadith where um, it was said that you know, um, if you if you hide your sins, mm-hmm. then Allah will also hide your sins, yeah, right, on the day of judgment. On the day of judgment. Um, so yeah, so, thank you. Um, <laughs> so yeah you know it, it's something in Islam is a principle for us to um, conceal our sins because sin isn't something that you should tell other people about right but Ismail mentioned the point that okay look there are addictions or a lot of addictions because we always we spoke about stages of addiction right let's say someone's at stage 10 right where you know there where is a very 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 big problem already at this point right should they tell other people because i know that it was uh, Saad and tahmid who made the point that it should be concealed so should they tell other people at that point you know should it be like should they tell a psychologist you know someone professional should it should it be their parents like ismail said should it be a friend or you know it, it should they even say it to anyone at all well my my point to that would be um Islam says hide your sins, but it also said seek guidance when you need it, right? Do not be purposely ignorant or mm. purposely misguided. Therefore, Islam is we clearly know Islam is not a contradictory religion. It doesn't it doesn't have one thing that you know contradicts the other, uh, or doesn't fit with the other. Um, so yeah, if it, it get, my 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 point would be if it gets that far, uh, that you 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 yourself feel like you can't deal with it by yourself, 
then seeking advice would be the best way to go by someone you trust and someone preferably who can keep that also secret and not reveal it to the entire yeah. world i mean we know from a lot of narrations um a lot of people will come to the prophet and talk about their problems that they have and yeah. seek advice so yeah. you know it's clearly there in in, in the past you know like um like what well, like there was this, uh, this this one narration about this guy he came to the prophet saying that he's like he can't stop drinking alcohol in it and that yeah. other companions were like so angry no, about right. that and then what and what did the, do you guys remember what the prophet said to that man no remind us he just said to oh yeah so the basically the man said that he prays and he drinks alcohol the prophet said just continue doing what you're doing uh, yeah, and the reason why he said that it kind of goes back to our old point is that for this man, if he continues to drink and pray, then eventually one will take over the other. Yeah, right. So either the prayer will take over the alcohol, or the alcohol will take over the. Uh, yeah, it's over not even that. It's like yeah, you could you could to an extent you could see in that hadith like you know oh yeah, but the man went to like the prophet right, and he's he's not asking for something that is embarrassing. Uh, maybe not even in that case because it wasn't uncommon before Islam for yeah, yeah, people yeah. to drink alcohol. Even when Islam came, alcohol wasn't instantly banned. We've talked about this before. Um, but if you if you think about you know a Sahaba going to Aisha um, and asking for specific advice about you know like uh, relationships with with you know women and this and that and how to treat your wife etc you're asking questions that really should not be asked to a woman especially right um so in those cases you can't deny the fact that you have to ask for advice when yeah is is when it becomes a necessity you do it yeah exactly yeah you know because there's a greater problem and you need to sort that problem out you know if doing so will sort the problem out then of course do it okay so to just finish off uh i guess my turn to do daily dua so the dua uh, that i found was Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min qarati wal min al-qarati al-khalaq wa a'mal wa ahwa' which is uh, oh Allah I seek refuge refuge in you from reprehensible conduct deeds and desires and this can be found in Tirmidhi Ibn Habban Al-Hakim Tabarani um, etc um, so yeah yeah and nice. that probably and that that mentions a really big point and I think we did we kind of missed out is you know one of the essential ways to stop an addiction make dua to Allah to help you stop it I mean we kind of did mention it when I mentioned the fasting thing yeah yeah, yeah, Um, but yeah definitely that's uh, one point Um, but yeah with that said you know we're at the end of the episode but before everyone leaves I just wanted to make a very big shout out special special shout out to France now you might be thinking wait why France well, um, I was checking, like, I, was, I, w- I wasn't I was just checking it now, but I was checking, in it, checking it for a while in it. And our our audience in France has been growing. So before it was like 30, then 40. And now our audience, right, 51% of our audience is from France. France. What is it? France. 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 Yeah. yeah. Subhanallah. Yeah. That's amazing. 51%. And it's crazy. Subhanallah. Like... That's our majority audience now. Um, UK is at 43. <laughs> wow. Like, you know, when I made this podcast, I, I never I never th- it thought it would like, go outside of UK, if you get what I mean. Um, but yeah, it's crazy that our podcast is reaching outside. 
Um, do you guys have Do you guys have any anything to say to our our French audience? Je suis oh, bon suit. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say uh, Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, mon frère et ma soeur. Bonjour. Et ma soeur. Bonjour à la baguette. <laughs> <laughs> Stop making fun of our people, man. Oh, sorry. <laughs> They're gonna start watching it now. Sorry. Oh, yeah, any Muslims that are listening to this in France, please inform your country of not being harsh to Muslims. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean. And tell them, can... tell them to like remove the burqa ban, man. Yeah, what no, they man. What they doing? What they doing? SMH, SMH. <laughs> now respect for you all, all you guys listening out there. Yeah. Um, hundred. What was it? Mo. Fifty-one. Fifty-one. No, what? no. Uh, hundred fifty-one plays. Hundred and fifty. Wait, how how many plays have we got now? Alhamdulillah. How many? Um. You know. Uh. uh so actually, I'll check right now. We have. Ten. Do fifty one percent of that number, and that's how many plays we have from France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hundred and fifty four. And our audience size so is so about 14. about seventy plays in it ish from France. Yeah, which is crazy, you know. Um, yeah. So keep, um, continue watching our podcast. Um, mm. if you find it beneficial, um, share it with whoever else, and we're really happy to know that you know our podcast is benefiting people from outside the uk as well it's really mm. it's really humbling really um really mm. encouraging yep. as well um but yeah with that said assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh see you guys in the next episode assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh i hope that you enjoyed today's episode if you found it beneficial then please do f- um, subscribe to our youtube channel follow us on instagram and you know follow us on whatever platform you listen to our podcast on we are available on spotify anchor and pocketcast and inshallah we'll try and get our podcast on um apple i think it's itunes yeah so apple itunes um since a lot of people do use that but for now these are the platforms we are on um but yeah with that said um assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh jazakallah khair for watching today's episode please do um share our podcast with your friends and family because i'm sure if i benefit from it you benefit from it then um they will definitely also benefit from it jazakallah khair